Well, good morning, everyone. I'm so glad that you're here joining with us for our brand new series called Better Together, because that's actually what we believe. We believe that we are actually better when we are together. And so over this series, what we want to do is we want to take a look at relationships and friendships and connections, and we want to see how can we make them healthier, wholer, or even holier. Because here's what I believe, okay? I believe that under COVID-19, under lockdown and pandemic and all of that, that this all is placing a strain and pressure on relationships. Have you noticed this? Have you sensed this? Have maybe you even experienced this as well? That COVID-19, the world we are living in, is just putting a tremendous strain on relationships and it's stretching relationships, sometimes even to the point of breaking. But here's what we know theologically. What we know is that we are better together, that life is found in relationships because God is relational. God is three persons tied together in relationship, just as we are called to be as well. So for this series, Better Together, we want to take a look at how can we make then our relationships, our friendships, our connections, our families even, how can we make them healthier and wholer and even, as I said, even holier. And so we're going to be taking a look at some different aspects of relationships over this series and friendships and connections. We're going to be taking a look at how do you actually be present in our relationships. We're going to take a look at conflict and how do you have healthy conflict because that's happening. We're going to take a look at how do you actually develop faith in your home and in the spaces where you are. And then we're also going to take a look at some really certain, um, some specific situations within families. We're going to take a look at marriages and also our next generation. In that sense, what we want to do is we want to come together as a church and really just talk about how can we be better together, exploring how we can make our relationships stronger with one another, with God, and our families and our friendships. That's what it's all about. And so today, to kick off the series, I want to talk about something that I've mentioned before, but it's something we have to keep coming back to because it's something that we keep forgetting, I believe, in our day and age and in our world. And what I want to talk about a little bit before we have communion here together is just this. I want to talk about how church is called to be a family. That as we start off this series called Better Together, the place we want to begin is how church is called to be a family. But I want to explore this in three different ways today. I want to take a look how church is called to be a family, but it's broader and it's deeper than you think. That it's not kind of our modern Western idea of family. I want to take a look at how family is the language of the New Testament. And lastly, I want to talk about how theologically this is who we are and that this is the starting place. That if we're going to have better relationships together, we need to realize first and foremost that we are family together. And as I've often said before, actually, all families are dysfunctional at some point. This is the same thing within churches and all different systems and relationships. But the point isn't whether there is sometimes difficulty or strain in the relationships. The point is, is how do we make them healthier, wholer, and better? And that's what we want to explore over the series, starting here today with Church is a Family. So to begin with, I want to explain to you how church is a family. But as I said, I think we do need to actually deconstruct a little bit of that modern Western view of family. Because I would say in the modern Western world, the way we think of family is like mom, dad, two kids, and like a poodle going to soccer practice. Like that's our vision and view of family. But this isn't actually accurate. This isn't actually true. This isn't how the New Testament and the Bible views family. So what I want to share with you is a biblical concept of the concept of what's called an oikos. Now, oikos is a kind of Greek yogurt that you can buy in the store, but really what it means biblically, it is a Greek word that means home or household. The problem is, is that we then interpret this wrongly through our Western lens. And again, when we hear even a home or a household or a family, we think like mom, dad, two kids, and a pug or something, right? That's what, that's what we think of. Um, but instead, biblically, or back in Jesus' day and age, an oikos was this extended family. What it really was, was a mom, dad, grandparents, cousins, aunts, uncles, married, single, all these people living together actually in one kind of family compound, one family place, sharing a family trade, and actually going about life with a shared mission and a shared 
purpose. That's what an oikos was. That when the Bible talks about a home or a household, it's really talking about this extended multi-generational family unit that is so much bigger and broader than our narrowed and limited idea of what family is in our Western world. And I think we need to regain the biblical concept of family. That in this oikos, what would end up happening is that parenting would be shared between aunts and uncles and all the different cousins and all sorts of things. There would be this economic stability that brought about by this extended family unit actually having a calling together. There would be these ties that would become stronger over time. That's what family is in the Bible. That when it talks about a home or a household, this is what it is envisioning. Not, you know, just the nuclear immediate family of mom, dad, kids, that sort of thing that we currently have in our modern Western world. Has this idea of this extended family sharing life together and sharing a purpose together. This is why you can then read this in different places in the Bible, especially in the New Testament. And you can start to see how it actually shapes uh, some of the actions in the Bible. So at one point, what we see with Jesus is he actually joins the oikos or the household or the home of Peter. It becomes his space, actually. It becomes the place where he launches off his ministry in Capernaum. It becomes his home. We read about this actually in Luke. And so what we read is this. It says um, that when Jesus returned to Capernaum several days later, the news quickly spread that he was back home. And that word there for home is oikos, that Jesus became a part of this larger extended family that was happening in Capernaum with Peter. And that was really the home base for him to actually do his ministry. This idea of this extended larger family unit can help us to make sense too of some odd biblical passages, specifically one actually where we read of Jesus being left behind. We read of this actually in the book of Luke. And what ends up happening is his entire family journeys to Jerusalem. And then what we read is this, um, that he got left behind in Jerusalem. It says that his parents didn't miss him at first because they assumed he was with and among the other travelers. But when he didn't show up that evening, they started looking for him among their relatives and friends. And when we read this through our modern Western lens, this seems like highly irresponsible of, you know, Mary and Joseph to lose like the son of God, right? Like we think like, what's, what's wrong with him? But in that day and age, remember, parenting was shared. You are part of this larger extended unit. And it was not odd at all for them to expect that Jesus's, you know, aunts and uncles were looking after him because parenting was a shared responsibility. I think when it comes to this idea of family, what we need to do is we need to broaden what we have limited. That is actually so much bigger and better than just immediate families. That when the Bible talks about a home or a household or a family, it's this larger extended unit. And here's why this really matters. At least, I'll say at least it matters even for me. I think in our current day and age, the way that we talk about things is there's this subtle or explicit pressure to get through things on your own. Anybody felt that even in like the pandemic that we're currently in, right? That there's this subtle or even strong pressure to just kind of grit it out, to grind it out, to just do whatever you need to do to get through. That you might feel like it's all up to you and your kind of unit that you're with to make it through things. But this isn't how the Bible functions. This isn't how family functioned in the Bible. It was this larger connected interweb of relationships of people journeying together. I was reminded of how important that was even this week. As some of you know, uh, my wife has started to become a midwife and she started her placement this week. So what this means is that she's working a crazy amount of hours. She's basically like never home. Um, her schooling gives her exactly 24 hours off a week. That's it. And on those 24 hours, you know what they do? Uh, they place mandatory classes that she has to attend and papers to write. So she's just basically busy all the time. Then with, you know, kids at home and online learning and all of those sort of things and me working and trying to, you know, like prep sermons like this and all of that, I found that it was incredibly chaotic and busy. And there's this pressure, though, to just kind of grit it out, to grind it out, to just kind of get through it on your own. But I was reminded of the importance of this larger idea of family even this week because two people dropped off meals for me. 
And I can tell you, just that simple act reminded me that I was a part of a larger community that was so meaningful. This is the kind of thing the Bible is getting at when it's talking about an oikos, that you are not self-selected, kind of self-serving individual units when we talk about family, that you're part of this interconnected web of relationships. That family or oikos or house or a household, this is about uh, intergenerational, multi-generations, people sharing life together and journeying together. That's the biblical view of family. And it's so much deeper and bigger and broader than our culture's view. And I think we need to regain it. I think we need to actually really be um, embracing it and following it. So the first thing I just want to name to you when we're talking about this idea of church as a family is that when we're talking about family, it is bigger and broader than we so often think of in our Western world. Right? That's the first thing. That's about an oikos, a house, a household, this extended family of kinship bonds that are living shared life together. That's what it's about. The second thing I want to point out is that when we come to understand uh, church as family and this broader view of family, what you'll start to notice is that it's actually throughout the entire New Testament that what becomes uh, normative is family language. It's like sibling language. I want to read you a number of different verses that show this throughout the Bible. Um, I want to begin uh, first uh, with Paul. And he says this, speaking about the church in Jerusalem. He says that when we arrived, the brothers and sisters in Jerusalem welcomed us warmly. I think we have a tendency just to skip past passages and not noticing, but look at how Paul refers to the other Christians in that day and age. He says the brothers and sisters in Jerusalem. Or listen to how Paul talks about the people of God in Romans 8.29. For God knew his people in advance, and he chose them to become like his son, so that his son would be firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Again, family, sibling, language. Or again, in 1 Corinthians 1, verse 10, it says, I appeal to you, dear brothers and sisters. He's talking to people in the church. He's appealing to them as kin, as family, as having this connected relationship with them. He says, I appeal to you, dear brothers and sisters, by the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ, to live in harmony with each other. He says, please live in harmony. And why? Because they're brothers and sisters. That's what's going on in that passage. He says this in Ephesians 6, 23, peace be with you, dear brothers and sisters. May the God, the Father, and Lord Jesus Christ give you love, um, give you love with faithfulness. What I want to point out that it's so easy for us to jump past is that when it comes to the Bible, talking about uh, the church, talking about Christians following Jesus together, that the normative language is family language. Right? It's siblings, it's brothers and sisters, it's all of that. That's the normative language in the Bible. That when it comes to expressing what we are as a church, it talks about it in family language. But again, remember my first point, that family is so much bigger and broader than just like a mom, a dad, and a Labrador dog or something like that, okay? It's bigger than that. It's broader than that. It's really about people following Jesus together who are in many other ways in different spaces um, and that Christ brings them together as one. So the first thing I want us to really notice is um, how church is meant to be a family and it's a bigger, broader idea than we often notice. And second, that the language of family is actually normative. I want to point out another passage where this happens. In fact, if you count in the New Testament, and somebody did, this family language occurs over 120 times, actually. But listen to what Paul says in one of the most beautiful passages ever. He says this, So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, he says, you've received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba Father, for his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. Listen to that verse. For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. So if we're all God's children, what does that mean? It means we are family together. It means we are siblings in Christ. It means we are connected in Christ. And he says this, and since we are his children, we are his heirs. So what I want us to just realize is that when it comes to being the church, we are connected as family. That's the biblical view of things, right? That this family language becomes normative. 
And the reason that this is so beautiful and so important for us is for two things. First, if you've happened to grow up in a family that wasn't healthy, that wasn't whole, that was incredibly dysfunctional, maybe it was broken in many different ways, right? What this um, means for us is that you're now can be included in a family where that tries to be redeemed. That family is where we actually try to practice being the church together here. The second thing what it means that is a beautiful thing is no matter what your family of origin was like, it means you're included in the family of God. It means you have a family, even if your family of origin was really dysfunctional and difficult and maybe distant and separated and all of that, that you are a part of the family of God. That's what these passages mean. Jesus makes it really clear himself, actually. He says this as he was speaking to the crowd in Matthew 12. He says, um, as he was speaking to the crowd, his mothers and brothers stood outside asking to speak with him. Someone told Jesus, your mother and brothers are standing outside and they want to speak with you. And Jesus asked, who is my mother? Who are my brothers? Then he pointed to his disciples and he said this, these are my mothers and brothers. Anyone who does the will of my father in heaven is my mother, is my brother and sister and mother. What's going on here is that Jesus is really redesigning what an oikos looks like. And that for his culture, it is not based on blood. Instead, what it is based on, it is based on whether you choose to follow him. And if you choose to follow him, what does he say? You are my brother, my sister, or my mother, that you are included in his family. That when it comes to church, what we need to prioritize is the lens and the real uh, way of looking at things that we are family together and that we are better together. This is the expectation of Jesus, really, that when we follow him, we are actually family together. That's what this passage is getting at. That when we follow him, we are family together. Now, while I'm not arguing that we should all be calling each other brother or sister in Christ, because um, it can, I know, sound a little bit funny, a little bit weird, that actually is the perspective of the Bible, to remind ourselves that when we come uh, to gather together, when we come to connect with one another, that we are family together. The third thing I want to point out is not only then how this idea of family is bigger and larger in the New Testament than we often think, or that the language is normative, the uh, third thing I want to point out is that we are family theologically. This is actually uh, what the Bible speaks very clearly, that when we come to know Jesus, that we are now in the family that's called the church. I want to reach you where the apostle Paul puts it in Ephesians this way. He says, so now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are now citizens along with all of God's holy people. He says this, you are members of God's family. You are included in God's family. You are a part of God's family. You are adopted into God's family. He says, so now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. That no matter where you've come from, no matter what space you began in, no matter where your family of origin was, it says this, that you are citizens along with all of God's people. You are now members of God's family. I think that's a beautiful way to be reminded of who we are, of who we are in Christ, of who we are together, that we are better together, that we are members of God's family. But if you're reading in your Bibles along, you might notice that it uses a different word. Right? In your Bibles, it might say this. This is the NIV. It says, consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. But that word household there, that's our word of oikos, and it is bigger and larger than we think of. And so the NLT does a great job when it says you are members of God's family because that's what happens when you get connected to Christ. That when you choose to follow him, we now become not just strangers or foreigners, we become family together. And I just really do believe that we are better together. So what's my main point? My main point hopefully is really simple for us today to begin this entire series better together. My main point is just this, that we are called to be family together. 
That's my main point. That as church, as church people, as Christians, as followers of Jesus, we are called to be family together. This is why the Bible uses that normative family language. This is why Paul is just so clear that when you accept Jesus, that you become part of God's family, that we are actually a part of his home and his household. And when I say family, we need to have that broader lens than we have in our Western world. We need to see family in that deeper, bigger way where it's not just individuals following Jesus. It's actually um, all of us together connected in and through the spirit following Jesus together. It's this wider, bigger, broader, deeper expression of family. So what does this mean for us uh, personally? Well, over this series, we're going to be taking a look at then how do we do family better together? both in our families where we are living in the situations and the places you might be, but also really as us as church, as family together. We're going to be talking about how do we actually have healthier, deeper, better, wholer, or even holier relationships. That's what we're going to be exploring. And to do that, to do that, if we're going to really be church together, if we're really going to be family together, if we're really going to be better together, we need to understand where each of us is at. We need to understand the different spaces and places you might find yourself and I might find myself. So over the next few weeks, what we're going to be doing is looking at a lot of different concepts and ideas to make our relationships better. But what we also want to be doing is to really discover what does family look like for people in different stages and places. So over the next few weeks, each and every week, we're actually going to be sharing with you a small vignette or a video of what does family look like for certain people in different spaces. We're going to be taking a look at parents with young kids. We're going to be taking a look at people who are young adults or youth. We're going to be taking a look at people who are single and married. And we're going to be taking a look at what does family look like for people who are grandparents and empty nesters. And the whole point of all of this is that if we're going to be family together, if it's true that biblically that is who we are, we need to better understand one another. And so we hope through these sharing and these testimonies and these videos and really through hearing the stories of people, that we can become better together by understanding where people in our family are at. And so to begin today, we're gonna be hearing from Paul and Jenny, and we're gonna be hearing some of where they are at so that we might be able to learn as a church how we can better support one another in whatever stage, place you might find yourself. So let's watch that together now. Hi, I'm Jenny Seymour. And I'm Paul Seymour. And we've been at Bethany for almost 13 years. I think you pick up a lot more wisdom along the way and you you sort of learn from some of the uh, maybe not the greatest choices you made through life in, in terms of your faith. I think when you're young you have a lot of zeal. Uh, when, when you get older you're, you're, you're a little bit more um, composed about it but it, 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 uh, it's still there. And it's, it's important for each day that you get up in the morning and say, yeah, God's with me. Like when you accept Jesus, you don't understand everything about it. You just know he died for you and you're asking him to forgive you. And you know you get in salvation in the Holy Spirit. But as the years go by, you learn to trust and, you know, you gain wisdom, you, just everything, just, you just grow and grow and grow. The 
the memory ain't what it used to be. And uh, you don't have the energy levels that you used to have. You can't, you can't do the things to the extent that you used to do when you were younger. And you start, you start getting aches and pains in different parts of your body that you never knew were there before. And these funny little things growing on your skin here and there. Like, where did that come from? <laughs> and I often say, I can't wait to get my new body. <laughs> That's what I'm looking forward to. <laughs> and seeing Jesus, of course. Yeah. Seeing him first and then get my new body. Yeah. <laughs> The biggest challenge, I guess, is not being able to see the family and the grandkids. And, um, you know, like as grandparents, we want to see our kids and the grandkids. And it just feels so, like you feel so lonely when you can't. And so we've, we've done Zoom with them. We've, They've driven by in the car. Sometimes they've been able to come in, but you know, it's been sporadic. So I feel like I've lost over a year of um, really good contact and relationship with them. The only thing I would add to it is it's nice to see your grandkids, but it's nice when they go home because they do take a lot of energy out of you. <laughs> Uh, I think a lot of people in our age group would probably appreciate it if you, and I, I think you do this to some extent, just to mix some of the older music with the younger music, or the or newer music, rather. I guess it's because we've grown up with it. They're really important to us, and sometimes we'd just like to hear a few more. <laughs> I, think they, I think, too, that they, sometimes they remind you of something special that happened in, in your life at an earlier age, which obviously the, the younger generations couldn't re relate to that because they're, they're not that old yet. They don't have those kind of memories yet. Yeah, well, for me, when I came to the Lord, it was with take my life and let it be. And so I, every time you sing that song, I think about that. And so it's really meaningful, meaningful to me. This doesn't necessarily apply to us, but people in our age group, there, there are folks out there who are living alone and they're very lonely. They don't have much contact with anybody. And I think it would be a great idea if some of the younger crowd in our group took on one of these people as kind of adopt a, adopt a senior and go and visit them on a, like a, on a regular basis and just you know sit there and be a good listener if they don't know what to say to them. Because uh, people can really appreciate that somebody even dropped by to say, uh, to, to uh, visit with them. Well, just tell them that we ain't dead yet. <laughs> well, I think one of the things that our stage in life, and it's, all, it's really important at all stages of life, but um, just the whole importance of prayer, uh, consistent prayer. One of the things I do is I, I pray for Bethany. I pray that we don't become complacent. 
I pray that we don't compromise the core beliefs of our faith. I pray for the staff and the leadership here, for their families, uh, that God's joy and wisdom will be in, in, with them as they uh, try to do their ministries and also uh, the responsibilities they have toward their families. The church is the body of Christ. So in the body, we have family, we have relationships. So we need to have relationships with one another and care for one another. To me, that's being the church. Wasn't that beautiful? We're gonna be hearing from other people then throughout the series. And we're going to be learning then how do we make our relationships better. We're going to be taking a look next week at how do we get rid of distraction to be present in our relationships, to be present as family. We're going to be taking a look at conflict and all sorts of other things. But for today, what does this mean for us, this idea that we as church are family? What I think it means for us is that what we should be doing to practice this is actually coming together as family. And the way that that is most uh, frequently practiced both in the New Testament and also in our lives is actually around sharing meals. That here's just what I believe, that whoever you end up sharing meals with, they quickly become family, right? If you share meals consistently with the same people, they become a part of your family. And as Christians, as Christians, the meal that we take that draws us together is communion or Eucharist or the Lord's Supper. And so today, that's how we want to end off uh, this sermon with, but really to start off this entire series with is coming together and having communion with one another. And so as we take communion together in just a moment, where we break the bread and we drink the wine, I want to invite you to do is to not only connect with Jesus personally, but as you're connecting with him, would you also consider and think through who might you be able to reach out to to really act as family this week? Because as I said, I do believe that we are better together. And I think that right now our world is so divided. It is difficult. It is just, oh, it's just draining. Anyone else feel that? And I think as people who are called to then be family together, we need to reach out to one another. So even as we come and we take communion, might you think through, is there somebody that you can reach out to as family, as being a part of this church, as being a part of following Jesus together? Maybe it's a text, maybe it's a phone call, maybe it's actually dropping off a meal like we received this week. It's these kind of actions that draw us together as family, and we're going to get into how to do that more, but let's also be open to how the Spirit might direct us as we come to this family meal together, for how it is that Jesus might direct you this week. Because if it's true, and I believe it is, that as church we are family, then we should practice that. We should act like that. And we should reach out as family to one another. And so with that, would you join with me in prayer uh, this morning? God, I pray. I pray, might we just, Lord, first of all, know and receive the wonderful fact that we are invited into your family, that we are made members of your family, that we are adopted into your family, that as you say, Lord, we are your children. Might we first rest in that fact. And then, might we, Lord, we continue to practice being family with one another focusing in on our relationships and our connections and, and reaching out to those, Lord, who are in need. Might we continue in all ways to be practicing church as family together. And as we come to communion, we just pray, might our hearts and our, our, our eyes really be turned towards you. Might you be our focus, might you be our center, and might this draw us together and to draw us to you. And we just pray this all in the wonderful name of God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen and amen. So now... As we come to communion, really the Christian family meal together, I want to read a traditional opening. That this is the table, not of the church, but of Jesus Christ. 
It is made ready for those who love God and those who want to love God more. So come you who have much faith and you who have little. Come you who have been here often and you have not been here a long time or ever before. Come all of you who have tried to follow and all of us who have failed. Because these are the gifts of God for the people of God. These are the gifts of God for the family of God. Come, not because the church invites you. Come because it is Christ who invites you to be known and to be fed here. And so on the night when Jesus was betrayed, he then took a loaf. And when he had thanked God for it, he broke it into pieces and he gave it to his disciples saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Would you join with me in prayer? God, we are so grateful for the fact that your body was broken so that we might be included, so that we might be welcomed into your family, so that we might be a part of what you are doing. And so, Lord, today we turn our hearts towards you and we think of your sacrifice and your death that welcomes us and that makes us whole and that brings us peace. And so, God, we just turn towards you and we give you our praise, our worship, and most of all, our gratitude and our thanks. We pray this all in the wonderful name of God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen and amen.